Blog Talk Radio. but I was already there. Best, greatest line ever in any heavy metal song ever. Uh, this is your, what is today? It is January 8th, 2009. It's the first episode of Rubber Guard Radio for 2009. I'm your host, KZ. And first off, let's run off the sponsors, WrestleWarehouse.com. Um, you can get Lucha Libre masks. You can get wrestling DVDs. You can get all kinds of different stuff. Just go check them out. Pretty good prices, good fast shipping. Uh, good quality stuff, really good masks. Uh, once again, WrestleWarehouse.com. And our other sponsor would be Alfredo's site. We love you, Alfredo. SlamBamJam.com. Uh, Lucha Libre, Japanese. Uh, there's some wacky uh, SoCal Lucha. There's some incredibly strange wrestling down there. Um, you can get all kinds of stuff. You can actually search for Lucky or Pierre or what's that? what's his other gay name? Oh, 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 yeah, that's right. That uh, Vandal Drummond. If you want to find some Kurt Brown footage, if if you're glutton for punishment, but yeah, you can all you can find a bunch of different stuff on Alfredo's site. He's got uh, the classic lucha from the '80s, really good stuff. He's got some of the Win Promotion, W-I-N, where you see very early Eddie Guerrero, uh, really good stuff. Exceptional service, really fast. And Alfredo's a good guy. But uh, speaking of that funky SoCal shit, I have on the line the shoot fighter, Mr. Dan Farron. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Hey, well, thank you very much, Casey. It's a great honor to be the first guest of 09 on Rubber Guard. That's it, brother. That's it. Well, I, I mentioned Southern California, so are you born and raised? No, actually, uh, I was born in Indiana, and I was raised in Maryland and came out to California in the mid-'70s to go to college. And uh, it was kind of neat because I was raised on the East Coast wrestling, the WWWF, back when Pedro Morales was champion back in those days. And I always wanted to to come out to Southern California because I'd always read so much about it, about the Olympic Auditorium and Blassie and Tolis. And uh, it was it was like opening my eyes in a whole different direction because I went from a group that had very few angles to a, a group that had almost nothing but angles at times. Mm. Well, you know, back in back in the seventies and, and early eighties, you can go to a different part of the country. You know, you can yeah. go for a week vacation and then you can go and you can see different wrestling. Um you can't get that anymore. No, and, and that and that really is unfortunate because 
I remember that when I would start watching the Olympic Auditorium, when some certain names would be coming to town, you know, it, you get kind of excited because you all the only maybe the only way you see these guys is to read about them or see them in the in the Bill After magazines back then. And, you know, all of a sudden now I'm seeing, you know, Pampero Furpo and Ernie Ladd and Blassie and Tolis and all these other guys. And then the nice thing about the Southern California Olympic promotion there was that a lot of the guys would make a stop on the way to or back from Japan. So uh, you got a chance to see uh, a lot of people from, from all, uh, all over the territories. And uh, it, was a, it was a good time to be a wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just to inform the the listeners, uh, the younger listeners that are old timers like yourself and, and me, um, people would uh, they would stop here, they would stop on the west coast, then they would go to either Hawaii to Japan or Japan right. to Hawaii, California, and then back wherever they're going, where they would you know take a month, they would spend two or three weeks touring Japan, then they'd either stop in Hawaii, which is not a bad idea, no, and, or they'd stop here either up here in Northern California or down south, either one, yeah. because back then they didn't have direct flights from Hawaii to, say, New York. Right, you know, you had exactly. To stop and, you know, they'd stop for a couple of days, pick up a couple of bookings, and, you know, basically, you know, see who's alive in the territory. Yeah, you could basically um, what you could do is you could come through, use your name, come on through, do a couple jobs for, for the local guys to put them over, and then head on out, like I said, in Hawaii and Japan. And if you wanted to, there was a lot of guys working in Mexico at that time, too, and you could even go down there. And it made it great way. for angles because, uh, you know, somebody could come through, a babyface could come through, beat the champion, and then go off to Japan, and then they could make a big deal and build up a rematch for the title when that person got back from Japan. So uh, it was something that, uh, that really uh, was, was different, and it, was, it, made, it made wrestling special back then. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's not talk about wrestling being special nowadays. It's not. No, no. <laughs> it's sad. That's that's kind of yeah. It's 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 special like in, in more of a yellow bus way. You know, short yeah. yellow bus. <laughs> <way>. uh, <laughs> Actually, no. I'm not going to bring up the handicapped wrestling in Japan. Oh my god. <laughs> that is something that I think, even though it's horribly politically incorrect, it's something that I guarantee you we could talk about it for hours. And until you actually see five or six seconds of this and realize that it's actually legit, it's not people acting that way, uh, you just sit there and go, I, I can't believe this even exists. Well, you've seen the wacky and the wacky and then some more wacky. Oh, um, yeah. Some of the stuff that, that you saw in, um, in the Los Angeles territory, what was the most goofiest wacky gimmick you've seen? In just oh, the God. just the 70s in that territory, because they've had just in that. Well, the probably the most famous one was the Frankenstein monster. Yes, sir. Uh, they and, and the main thing, the reason why, and and bless Jeff Walton's heart, Kurt and I have talked to him about this many times. We've <laughs> Jeff never could understand why you know people would laugh at the Frankenstein monster, and it was mainly because they were trying to convince people that this was actually a monster constructed in Transylvania in a castle and brought over here to wrestle. And it basically was a guy, uh, a guy named Tony, uh, who was a, a big, tall guy with lifts on it, and they would dress him like the Frankenstein, the Universal Studios Frankenstein monster. And the guy, it, it, it just nobody ever, and he would just come in and just throw these stiff arms, 
And the famous night, and uh, it's 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 one that uh, that's written about quite often, is the night he was supposed to wrestle Andre the Giant in a uh, lumberjack match. And Andre looked across the ring at this guy like, what the hell is this? And proceeded just to beat the living shit out of this guy and try to take his mask off, which they didn't want because they were actually planning a babyface turn for him. And uh, the guy rolled out of the ring, and the lumberjacks are trying to throw him back in, but he was fighting for his life at that point, and he just ran back to the dressing room. And that was probably the strangest. Uh, and what was even weirder, he did get a, a babyface turn for a while and actually went off to Arizona and wrestled and finished off the rest of his career in Arizona. And I'm bound to determine to track him down and interview him because I think that there are certain things uh, that, that should not escape. I mean, there was a wrestling beetle out here. Uh, I'm, I'm, by beetle, I mean like one of the Fab Four. Uh, that uh, that wrestled in the early 60s. I did not see that, but Johnny Legend has told me stories about that. The other craziest thing I ever saw was Lars Anderson, who had a, was a pretty big name at that point. Uh, in the mid-70s, during the height of the whole Bionic Man, $6 million man thing going on, they came in and they said that he had a, a, a piece of uh, machinery put into his elbow, and there would be this guy in a lab coat at ringside and when he and, and he would have this little little machine that looked like something you would control a, a radio car with or whatever. And whenever uh, it, the time came for the finish or the big the big elbow, the axe, uh, the guy would start pushing all the buttons, and then Lars would hit you with the the bionic elbow and, and pin you. Oh man! <laughs> Why couldn't Lars bring that to Georgia Championship? I know. Well, I, first of all, Ole would have beat the hell out of him if he tried to bring that in the ring. And, and that's what was so funny about it is, in a way, um, I think only Memphis had stuff that was sometimes as crazy as L.A. And uh, the thing was, though, even in Memphis, they didn't try to tell you these stories or whatever to get you, uh, you know, to, to get you involved in thinking some of this stuff was actually real. But, you know, it's just like anything else. You know, that was kind of like the the preliminaries, and then, you know, we used to have a lot of really pretty much early hardcore bloody matches uh, in its time, a kind of a weird combination of, of lucha and, and brawling. Mm. Well, on the show, we, we've gone over, you know, the vampire, Freddie Blassie, yep. his program with Tolos, and, you know, I don't ever think that there would be that type of a program ever again. Well, uh, I don't think I don't think you'll find anybody that was willing to commit to it like the guys were in the old days. I mean, you hear the stories about Tim Woods getting up out of the hospital after the airplane crash with Ric Flair and and making sure that nobody knew that that he was Mister Wrestling. Uh, and the same thing happened when they did the famous uh, angle with the powder, where Tolis threw the the powder in Freddie Blassie's eyes to blind him. Uh, they actually put Blassie in the hospital for a while. Uh, and and had his, and took pictures of him with his eye covered, and then uh, I think Blassie had to go down to Atlanta after that. Uh, he had some schedule matches there, and they just basically for several months built up to the big Coliseum card. Uh, and let's face it, you know that card was a gigantic success, and you know the the WWF came in at one point, and it's still WWF at that time, and was going to do WrestleMania there, and they got panicky because there wasn't enough advanced tickets, and they moved it into the uh, the sports arena. But uh, yeah, I mean there was. Terrorists. 
Yes, they were into those damn terrorists were going to parachute in. But, you know, Hogan could have held them off. I'm sure he could have. Uh, but, uh, no, there was something about the guys, you know, it was pretty easy to figure out what was going on. But still, the guys had a level of, of, of faithfulness to, uh, to kayfabe in those days. And they would really go out of their way to protect it. Hmm. What's kayfabe? You know, it's a, it's this old ancient language like Carney that they used to speak. Uh, but it was funny. I used to go to the San Bernardino Arena because I lived out there for a long time. And, and unfortunately now it's part of the Department of Water and Power. Uh, but I remember Jerry Brown of the Hollywood Blondes. This kid came up to him, this little kid, and he was begging him for an autograph. And Brown just kept, like, looking away. And finally, when he thought no one was looking, he looked down at the kid and said, Okay, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> Yeah. The original Hollywood Blondes, you know yeah. him and him and him and Buddy Roberts were were an amazing team. They were, and they had Humperdinck as their manager out here. He was there Sir Oliver go. Humperdinck back then, um, and they did it. They even did a really hardcore angle where he supposedly had his eye put out by uh, by Louis Tillet, who was the Booker, who also decided to push himself as the the main babyface at that point. We'll go figure. And, yeah, he was about five foot three and 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 kind of looked like the you know the guy that uh, that washes your car for you down at the uh, at the Exxon station. But uh, they did a thing where he supposedly put his eye out with a pencil, you know. And I always thought it was funny after that because then all of a sudden I see Humperdinck pop up elsewhere, and I always say, boy, it's amazing how the eye can heal that way. <laughs> Jeez. <clears throat> now I'm going to put you on the spot out of the yeah. four Guerrero. Out of the four Guerrero brothers, which one of the four was your personal favorite to watch? Oh, boy. Um, you know, they each brought something different to the table. And uh, I actually did some promoting work and, and had Chavo on a couple cards back in the 90s. And I was, was real excited because, I mean, obviously he was the best known of all of them. Um, I didn't see – I saw a lot of Eddie in his early days, those wind tapings that you were talking about uh, in the commercial mm-hmm. for Alfredo stuff. I was actually there for those tapings. And uh, Eddie was, was great, but he was still learning. He was still a little green at that time. Um, of all the Guerreros, the one that I thought uh, that I kind of liked the best at that time and thought was greatly underrated was Hector. You know, well, you Mondo know. had his own way, but Mondo unfortunately had you know was a little short. But Hector, um, Hector could really work, and you know he had the gymnastics background. And even though he was like a, a really thin guy, um, you know I, I saw a lot of his work when he went elsewhere when he would do the heel thing, and and he pretty well had a, a really good a good handle on it. And he also seemed because sometimes the Guerreros, not Eddie, but uh, Hector, uh, uh, Mondo, and Chavo were, could be a little difficult to deal with. Uh, but Hector was always very easy uh, to talk to and get along with. Well, Chavo, Chavo has been credited with his work in, in Mid-South in Houston right. to, quote-unquote, innovate the high-flying lucha-type yeah. style in the States. And I think it's it's completely fair. Completely yeah. fair to give that. And then Eddie is credited with that, what you see now, that hybrid lucha, right. uh, stronger style, Japanese hybrid type, where I think that, that Eddie, Eddie, you know, with the AAA stuff, you know, really personified that. Yeah, um, exactly. It, it's just amazing, you know, the, 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 uh, the influence that this family, you know, made on the business. Well, that goes back to the father. I mean, the father really... 
uh, you know, there are stories about uh, Gory Guerrero. Um, you know, basically, he, you know, the guy couldn't even go out to dinner in Mexico or in Texas without somebody wanting to fight him. And quite often, he would fight them. He would fight them all. He fight them all off. And I actually got a chance to see him in the late seventies, toward the end of his career, when they brought him in uh, uh, to work a, a couple matches with Chavo. And even then, I mean, the guy could still mat wrestle, and uh, you could almost see, you know, um, a little bit of each of the Guerreros in there. Now, Chavo probably, I would say, was probably. The, the one that was trained most in all around. I mean, because he did do the high-flying stuff, but he was also a great mat guy. I mean, he could do a, a lot of stuff there. Uh, Mondo quite often had to, um, you know, had to compensate for, the, the, for the, the height problem. So he had to brawl a little bit more than a lot of the guys did. Uh, but Eddie, when I first saw Eddie, it was back in, God, God like the late 89, early 90. Yeah. And he, you know, had, you know, he was, he was, Still, you know, still learning. In fact, uh, I worked on a show with him out at Point Magoo uh, at a military base for the old uh, Russell Rock uh, promotion that used to be out here. And they actually, I still have a picture of this, they actually painted his face up like the Ultimate Warrior. And we were laughing because Kurt and I were joking about it. We were referring to him as Ultimate Eddie because that's, that's how they were, you know, they didn't know what to do with him. He was still developing. But you could even see then that he had kind of had kind of hooked into something that wasn't being done elsewhere and he was bringing something up and he was you could see the wheels turning even then you know he had big plans and um you know uh he was a great guy he I I met him on once or twice and uh, he was just one of those guys that you know was was just was just a good guy and unfortunately you don't always meet those kind of guys in professional wrestling I can go on and on with Eddie's Eddie stories. I oh, I know. I spent a good amount of time up here in Northern California with him. Oh yeah. Um, you see, the first time first time I saw Eddie on a national scale was in '89 on on WCW Saturday Night. He did a job to Terry Funk. Terry Funk, yeah. And just amazing, amazing. And you know, he was they they had some really bad job guys. Really yeah. bad job guys yeah. that you know could barely run the ropes, and you know it's just you know they go in and really get the shit kicked out of them because they go more good workers. Yeah, and you can sell, you could see who was shining and and whatnot. But that the match with Terry Funk was just awesome. He did yeah. a picture perfect tope. I was like, oh, okay, here we go. This guy's gonna be something. And yeah. I caught him in '90 and on the win, you know, just yeah. out of nowhere. Um, yeah, I think exactly. He was in there with. I think it was in there with Satanico, if I remember right. I love Satanico. I still mm-hmm. do. Oh yeah, that guy could, you know, still. They were working. Yeah, they were working him in a lot of six man because they also had Mondo there, and for some reason they had Hector doing the laser tron gimmick mm. at that time. And you could see that they were they were breaking him in the right way. I think, you know, like I said, I think you know of all of them, if you were to take it from the beginning of their career to the end of their career. Obviously, Eddie was the one that grew the most, and he was the one that not only took a lot of the Lucha stuff and the old school stuff, he also eventually, as he got, and you know, a lot of this had to do with the fact that he were, would work everywhere, Japan, every place. Uh, he eventually, in the long run, um, you would have to say, had the best career of all of them. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. And that's not even, that's not even counting New York. No. 
That's not even counting New York. That, that's no, you could take you could take there. you could take New York away from the whole equation, and it's it's still going to still be a Hall of Famer. As yeah, far as exactly. Exactly. Um, I think his best work was in in AAA and in, in New Japan as Black Tiger. Mm-hmm. That was just and and his no work one, with, with Art Bar. No one, I mean, ever, no one ever will get that that Gringos Locos heat ever. No, exactly. Just, no one no here. one ever will. I mean, they they just had a way of stirring up a crowd. Um, that that hasn't that hadn't been seen in 20 years, even down in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that part of it was that that Eddie Eddie didn't tan. You know, he was yeah. a, a lighter lighter Mexican, and I think that that that's what helped. Yeah. Plus, it, you know, yeah. Our, I mean, it was also team. yeah. If he if he had had had, had the heavy features or whatever, it'd been kind of hard to pull off the the Gringos logo. But he just you know he he downplayed a lot of of those mannerisms and just kind of followed Art Bar. Mm. <laughs> well, it's just, you know it's a shame because you yeah. know the the Los Guerrero stuff in in WWE that was all that was yeah. all Art and Eddie. Yeah, exactly, and you can see Eddie trying to bring uh, Chavo Jr. Chavito along, and and try to to start to take it that way. And I think it was a shame. I mean, I understand the whole idea of pushing uh, Eddie as a single because he was ready. But uh, if I think if, if the if the, the Guerreros had had another good six months, it could have really helped Chavo. You know, he's he's kind of a lost soul. Yeah, exactly, and you I know, think uh, really you know it's is. unfortunate. I mean. Losing Eddie is something that that he'll never really get over. Yeah, I, I have to agree. And you know, and the the thing with Chavo, he's solid, nothing yeah. special, mm-hmm. but he's solid. You know, yeah. he's a good mid card act, and you know, he 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 could go in there with the younger kids and you know go put twenty minutes you know in a house show and and teach. Yeah, I think that that's his exactly. Niche. And that was you the nice know. thing about it when I first started doing some of those shows in the early nineties. Um, you know, I we he was he was on a couple of them, and I was a little nervous at first because you know here was a guy that just a few years ago I had watched wrestle, and now he was you know I, I was trying to tell him what we wanted from him, and um, you know, and, and some of Johnny Legend's uh, legendary uh, antics are were, were a little before their time, and you would get a little nervous sometimes trying to explain to an old grizzled veteran you know why Johnny wanted you to do this or do that, but. With Chavo, you could say to Chavo, you know, do you have any problem if we were to do this? And he would look at me and say, man, he goes, this is the circus. This is the carnival. I'll do whatever you want me to do. There it is. That's it exactly. Yeah. That's it exactly. Um, well, I'm going to bring this up. You've uh, – I'm sorry, I'm going outside. Then. Okay. <laughs> I was wondering uh, you, if you're going down, going down to the uh, the downstairs uh, castle in the uh, castle zombie there. If you were headed down <laughs> to the uh, lower area there. Uh, now you've ran shows. Yeah. And I'm assuming you you booked the matches, you booked the talent. Has yeah. anybody ever refused to do a job for you? Um. No, we never had anybody refuse to do a job. Uh, with the local guys, what was kind of nice is that I was older than a lot of them. And um, a lot of those guys, um, because they had seen me referee, or uh, as I think I might have mentioned before, I think I was the commissioner of every single freaking organization out here at one time or the other. I can't even remember them. But uh, I was always involved either some way. I mean, I was even one night a timekeeper for the UWF. I mean, and I didn't get paid either, which which makes you realize that I did work for the UWF. Um, 
But Abrams, the, Abrams the couldn't even give you a line. God, that's what a, what a fucking asshole. I know. Well, it was funny. That was a great. That was a great evening because they had me on headsets. I'll get back to your questions in a second, but they had me on headsets, and Herb Abrams was going nuts for for something or other. Everything was going. It was the night that everything was going wrong. Uh, it was the night that um, that uh, one of the referees decided to uh, to give Doctor Death a hard time, and and that turned into a real pull apart. And it was just uh, the director. I could hear the director in the truck. And he was just flipping out at at her because, you know, uh, Herb Abrams, who who ran the the group, who has since then passed away, and really and truly was certifiably crazy. I mean, literally, either it was the way he was, or the I will say it this way: the drugs that he supposedly took uh, made him very very hyper. And this director was sitting there going, you know, finally he, get, he said to the camera guys, look, just lock down your cameras. I don't know what this asshole's doing. He has all this money that you know he's put into this thing, and he has no idea how he wants to do this. And instead he's spending all the time telling everybody how to ring the bell and how to do this and how to do that. And uh, it, it, was, it was the funniest thing in the world because they were just, he was just flipping out over every little small detail. And in the meantime, you could see – you know, all the mortars start to fall away from the bricks that his whole that this whole empire that he was building was was headed uh, headed for rubble at some point. But getting back to your your question before about jobs, no, a lot of the guys always respect me. In fact, because I ran a lot of dressing rooms out here, um, and I I haven't done it for like the last four or five years. Uh, but when I was doing it a lot in the beginning of uh, 2000 2001, uh, a lot of the guys. Um, they would sometimes send me to to give the finish or explain the finish to a couple of the guys and because they were afraid to, and they felt because I was a little bit older and I could do it tactfully and whatever that you know the guys would go for it and would would listen to me and and it was always very nice you know one of the nice things about getting older is you know automatically people think that that you have a lot of knowledge uh whether you do or whether you don't and uh they would always at least listen to me or listen to my suggestions you know because i'm i'm not a, i'm i was not a worker i was a referee i was a promoter i did a lot of writing and and stuff for dave Meltzer back in the days and and matt watch with steve beverly but I never would, and that's why the whole shoot fighter thing is kind of a gag that Kurt Brown put together because he just loves to put me in the ring. Because the only thing that ever helped me back from being a superstar wrestler was the fact that I had no talent whatsoever at wrestling. And so he loves to put me in there where, you know, uh, we're going to do this or we'll get in there and he'll blade and make me look good and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, he loved to do that stuff. But. Uh, no, the local guys were all really good. I found even with some of the bigger people that came in, it pretty much it was already settled to some extent uh, what was going to be done. I mean, they talked about it to the promoter uh, because I may book the card, but I may not have promoted the card. You know, um, and I found that uh, probably the the funniest uh, an example of something where it wasn't really you know the, the finish. It wasn't really the guy refusing the job. It's the guy who was doing the job decided that he wanted to look a little bit better uh, than he was going to. We had brought Dan Severin out to uh, Southern California, and we used him the first time against Road Warrior Hawk. And it was really funny because Hawk and, and Severin went over the match in the back, and they went through all the stuff, and then finally Hawk said, after about 10, 11 minutes, you know, uh, come over and try to, I'll be stomping on him. 
and try to pull me apart, then I'll push you down, and then you roll out of the ring, disqualify me, and I'll chase you out of the arena. I said, okay, fine. Well, Hawk went over all the spots with Dan that he wanted him to do, and a lot of them that were the typical Hawk power spots, like he wanted Dan to have him in a Boston Crab, and then uh, Hawk was going to do the push-up to come up and flip out of it. Well, Dan was still learning about professional wrestling at that point, and you know he had he had Hawk in the Boston Crab, and Hawk would do the push-up, and Dan didn't move. And Dan still wouldn't move. And finally, we're only about three minutes into this match. And, um, you know, Hawk starts stomping on him in the corner, and I'm standing back there, and Hawk leans over his shoulder and goes, come here, like that. And I thought, what? He said, you know, and I thought, we can't be going to the finish already. It's way too early. But he pushed me, and we DQ'd him, and, and we got out of there. Uh, but the next month, we brought Dan back because Dan, while he was out there for that match, was actually uh, – talked to by um, by Ultimate Fighting, and that's where he actually was signed that weekend to start in with the the series with Shamrock. So we brought him back the next month, and we thought, okay, what we'll do is we'll do a strong style match. And we had a local guy here who was a wrestler, and he also decided that you know that he also had some collegiate background. So he and Dan ran over the match, and it was going to be about five minutes long, and it was going to be a strong style match, and. And we were going to do a lot of mat work and, and make it look make it look good. Uh, and he explained, you know, and Dan explained to him he was going to do five minutes so that way he could get some things in and look good. Well, for some reason, when we got into the ring, I was refereeing that match. The guy decided that he wanted to take Dan Severin down. You know, maybe he thought if I take this guy down, I could at least look good to my buddies. So we start out, and he tries to take Dan down, and Dan uh, wrestles away, and then he tries to do it again. And I'm thinking, what the hell was going on here? And finally, when he goes for it the third time, Severin hooks him and looks at me. And I looked at him and, and like, shrugged my shoulders, like, whatever you want to do. And he gut-wrenched this guy and took him straight up in the air and brought him down with, with mega, mega, mega force to the point where I even bounced up when he hit the mat. And I'm not a small guy. Um... And so Dan beat him in like about 45 seconds. And we got to the back, and I said, what the hell was wrong with you? I said, Dan was going to give you five minutes. You were going to look good. And he goes, well, I just thought maybe if I could take him down, I could save face. And I said, well, you wind up losing in 45 seconds. How, how do you think that worked for you? <laughs> Screwed. And yeah. I have a caller on the line from the 909. Caller, oh, okay. Caller, Dan Dan Farron, oh, no. you can homosexual you. Oh, no. Oh, no. I knew you were going to call in and try to get a little bit off my rub, a little glamour off my of rub, course, buddy. Of course, I need everything I can get. I'm I know. This is, I've never had any talent in the first place. For anybody that doesn't know, this is Kurt Brown. He is a well-known quadrosexual, which means that he will do anything to anybody for a quarter. Yes, and sometimes he's for free. Yeah, exactly. Don't I know, know you. Might be you tried to kiss me on more than one occasion when we were doing a match. I tell you that. Yeah, but I tried I've to kiss it. you, and I did kiss your wife on several occasions too. I know, and she's never Before gotten better from that. Either. What's that? So, she's never gotten so, better from that. That that large floor is not going away God yet. Bless her. God bless her. <laughs> How you doing, Curdy? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing hey, fine. KZ. I'm having a good time here talking to KZ. KZ who's is up in, in the. Uh, KZ, thank you for that plethora of DVDs you sent. I have a lot to keep me entertained. This is awesome. 
Yeah, we were just having a good old time talking about the Olympic Auditorium, Kurt. In fact, the Olympic Auditorium, you have to tell uh, about the time Edouard Carpentier broke kayfabe with you. Oh, that was right. Edouard Carpentier was sitting in the back, and I would always sit in the back row, and um, there was a guy named Country Boy Dean who was wrestling Bobby, the late Bobby Shane, who was coming through, and Bobby Shane uh, took him off his feet and, and, uh, and started to hook him up, and Carpentier turned to me and goes, ah, it is the finish, and got up and left about 30 seconds before he actually was going to put the guy into figure four leg lock. So it was one of the first times that anybody, a wrestler, had broken kayfabe with me. But uh, I think we should, should we give KZ kind of a, 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 uh, an exclusive here on Rubber Guard, do you think? That sounds wonderful to me. Yeah. Kurt and I have been talking a long time that, unfortunately, Los Angeles wrestling, there's a lot of good websites that keep, uh, you know, let everybody know what's going on now and whatever. But, you know, if you look around, there's a lot of websites dedicated to, you know, Atlanta and the mid and the mid south and different places where you can look up old history and see what happened to guys and get results and things like that. Well, Kurt and I have decided that we are going to over the next couple months launch one on the Olympic Auditorium and Southern California history and We've already started planning some of it, and Kurt did a great job about some of the jobbers. He did a great story about some of the jobbers recently, uh, and we Brother talked Joseph about and Brother Jerome. Brother Jerome, we talked about this, so we're going to start a website, and, and we'll let you know how it goes. But we're going to put up something where you know the people, you know, again, unfortunately, Southern California, a lot of the guys are starting to pass away, and there's a lot of rich history that really needs to be. Um, explored and uh, and Kurt and I are going to be doing that uh, either in blog form or uh, as a podcast with inter- with uh, interviews. Yes, I think it should be fun, especially since there's a lot of old timers around who probably have a lot of good stories to tell, and for some reason they haven't uh, wound up on podcasts or on print or anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll tell you guys, Jesse Hernandez is probably one of our most requested guests. Yes, um, just. He's a plethora of, of of information, and uh, see, there's Rick Drayson, who, Rick Drayson. You know, who I've been trying to get on the show. We just can't seem to can't seem yeah, to fit busy. it in. He's quite busy, and and you got you know, of course, Bill Anderson and a lot of the other guys that are still around, and Why and a lot of the guys, on? yeah, a lot of the guys who worked. Uh, whenever we would go to Cauliflower Alley, Kurt and I would be amazed when somebody would come in and we go, oh, my God, this guy's still around or that guy's still around. I mean, one year we actually sat at the same table as the Oregon Lumberjack, who was a well-known masked man. I forgot man about that. Yeah, exactly. The Oregon Lumberjack, John Burrich. Um, John Burrich? Tony Rocco. Chris Von Goring. Chris Von Goring, that's right. A lot of, you know, we're going, we're going way back old school, sometimes even back before we were there. Oh, yeah, but. Chris Von Goring is the very first wrestler I ever saw on TV. That's, he's the one who turned me on to professional wrestling. I saw yeah. him sitting there tearing apart some jobber, and I said, what, what do you call this shit? And my, you know, friend who was over saying, oh, you call this stuff wrestling? I'm going, no way. And I said, this is too cool. Hey, <laughs> KZ, next Kurt. time you have, oh, hold next on just time. A Hold on just a sec. Kurt, was that on the old DuPont network? <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost that old, but not quite. <laughs> the Westinghouse match of the week. So. Although sometimes in the last few months I have felt that old. <laughs> no, Casey, I want to say, next time you have uh, Jesse on the show, ask mm-hmm. him about his career when he, when he uh, used to wrestle as the Friar. Oh, he yeah. wore a mask yeah. and, like, 
the bunk robes. And I remember one night in San Bernardino, he came into the ring and he was carrying a, a lit candle, and he blew the candle out and threw it over his shoulder and hit a lady in the front row in the head with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord! Now, now that I have you, um, you incredibly strange people on the on the show. Yes. Um, let, let's let's talk about uh, Johnny Legend's baby. Um, uh, how did it come to fruition? How was it born? Well, I mean, a little contrary to the the book that recently came out last year. Um, this is just something, Johnny. Um, the title comes is, is kind of taken from a, a, an old movie called The Incredibly Strange Creatures that decided to stop living and, and turned into mixed up zombies or something like that. Uh, and Johnny, a Ray, a Ray Dennis Steckler movie. Ray Dennis Steckler. Johnny had this background with all these old films because he was actually an actor. We have a we we had to dig up that film for Casey sometime of Johnny when he was like 21, 22 years old. Oh, you look, you look like J.R. Benson. Yeah, he looked a lot like G.R. Benson back then. Exactly. And, but Johnny uh, you know, had all these ideas, and he wanted to put together a wrestling show that really wasn't wrestling fans. He wanted something that, um, that you could take into to rock clubs or bars or whatever and, um, and, and present it, put a ring up, and then you know, have matches, and then you know, have a band play in between. And... Um, Johnny had all these ideas that I know that Kurt and I at first were a little wary of because they were so out there uh, that we were kind of afraid because, you know, we were coming off a kayfabe thing too here that we that it would make fun of wrestling too much. Uh, and the funny thing about it is half of those angles that Johnny did on these shows uh, wound up being done either by WCW or WWE. And in fact, yeah. we do know for a fact that Ed Ferrara did attend the shows. Yes, Ed Ferrara was out here uh, going to wrestling school and, and out here at that time, and he used to he was a regular uh, a regular attendee at the shows. Uh, so I mean, beautiful that, Bruce big, Bodine, big, right? Bruce Bodine, that's right. Bruce Bodine, beautiful Bruce go. Bodine. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny, Dan, when you mention when you mention how we were a little hesitant to do these gimmicks at first. It's funny how addicting they were because. Probably the best thing we learned from Johnny Legend is how not to take ourselves so goddamn seriously. After well, we yeah, were, and also the we business were for years take yourself seriously. Yeah, the and, business yeah. the business was changing too at this point. Yeah. Now, I mean, now it was this stuff was on Saturday nights and there was cartoons of it, and you know, you sit around and you say, okay, here's a guy like Mantor coming to the ring with a giant oh. buffalo head on his head. We really can't do anything else to embarrass the business any more than it already has been. Well, even when you think back when the business was, quote, serious, and you had these characters called the Wolfman, you know, who that they tried to tell the audience was raised by wolves. You know, yeah, we were talking know. about Frankenstein and uh, the Bionic Man earlier, <laughs> too. Well, you know, also also in that same vein, um, remember when we, were, when we were doing the shows, um, the thing was that we, that actually when they would send the results into the Observer, there were some fans who were still so upset about that that they actually uh, would write to Dave Meltzer and tell him not to print the results. Yes. In fact, that year we won uh, fifth place for the most disgusting promotional uh, gimmick. Yes. That, I mean, that was wonderful. I think that's, And that's, you know what? It's funny, too, for all the talk about that. Career. Yeah, for all that stuff, I mean, Spike Dudley worked an early show. Back when he was Matt Heisman. Spike Dudley did. That's right. I forgot we about did. that. We did. I mean, and one of the things that, 
that Kurt and and uh, our our good buddy Larry Doyle did was uh, we were able to give some guys chances early on, and um, you know nothing pleased us more uh, than on some of those early shows to have craze and uh, supreme and chaos and give them a chance to kind of to break in. I mean, one time we were doing this show, and the thing was with people who don't go to wrestling shows, they don't realize that standing right around the ring can be dangerous sometimes. <laughs> and famous porn star Sharon Mitchell came in with a bunch of her friends, and uh, Supreme was going to do a dive, and he turned to them and said, move. And they all went, ha, 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 ha. And Supreme came over the top rope, and it looked like bowling for porn stars. They were flying every which way. He took a whole row of little ladies. <laughs> took a out. whole row of porn stars right out of the the, the the equation right there. Dan, there was another incredibly strange story. I was there at the show, but I did not witness this. You did. You must uh, tell KZ about when our uh, dear departed friend Stefan De Leon chased Dustin Diamond out of the building. Oh God, yeah. Dustin Diamond at that time had this uh, had a band, and he was uh, the way the place was set up. He was going to perform, and then we were going to do our show afterwards. And at the really the height of rudeness, um, he basically while we started doing the show, he and his band started just walking back and forth and picking up their equipment and walking out and you know and acting like there was nothing going on. And Stephen DeLeon, bless his heart, he was, a, he was a great, great guy. And he was working as a, a character named Anarchy at that time. And he wore a half mask, and and he uh, also had a band. And I remember, I don't know exactly how it happened, but they went out in the alleyway, and Stephen just went full bore, full frontal Roddy Piper on him. I mean, because Stephen could do a great impression of Roddy Piper anyway. It just started cussing at him and screaming at him. And he was reaching out through the gate of, of the alley there at the parking lot. And, I'll kill you, I'll kill you. And Dustin Diamond got this look on his face like, you know, you know Mr. like Mr. Belding had caught him, you know, masturbating in the bathroom or something, you know. And he, they jumped in the van, they drove off. And I turned to Stephen and I said, and what would you have done if you would have caught them? And he looked at me and he smiled. And with one hand, he pushes the gate open. It was never locked. <laughs> and we had Chris Farley there one time, about a couple months before he passed away, too. He came oh, down. And, right. and everybody in that club said the very same thing. Whoa, that Farley guy's so cool. He's not going to live very long, though. And everybody was right. Yeah, that was, was very really sad. But, wasted that night. But it was so great because we could also, on those shows, we could bring in lucha guys and say you know and johnny would say hey i got this idea for a character his name is gravel gut gomez <laughs> and the guy would say you know if you're going to pay me sure i'll play gravel gut gomez and they would do and he would do the match and um it was and and there were moments that were great and there were matches that were really good that we were very proud of because we always tried to put on one or two matches that really could show what the guys did. We were like, all right, if if we're going to have you burlesque and, and make fun and, and joke around or whatever, then we're also at the same time going to uh, you know give you a match where you can kind of show the crowd you know what you're doing, that you're not just some jabroni off the street. And I was really pleased with the guys we were going to get on there. Like I said, you know, Supreme and, and Chaos and Craze, those guys um, – you know, I you know I I remember them when they used to come to some of the shows that when they were that kids. I promoted and refed on, and they would sit down front and and now to see them 
uh, achieve uh, the different levels of, of fame that they have, um, it makes you really pleased and really proud that, that all the hard work really paid off. Craze, especially uh, out of every, I mean, they were all great, but Craze, I always, I always loved working with him just because he was just, uh, he just shrug his shoulders and say yes to anything, and he was just there to have a party. You know, oh, and, and Supreme really is one of the guy. funniest guys. Supreme is one of the funniest guys you'll ever meet in your entire life. Yes, yes. You know, I remember one of the nicest times I had. Um, unfortunately, it, it came out of a horrible thing, and that was the death of Dynamite D. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was this great reunion of wrestlers from the last ten or fifteen years, uh, and got us all in the in the same room together. And it reminds you about you know. Not a lot of us made a lot of money working just Southern California. Kurt and I never had any great, um, you know, ideas of, of going out and, and, you know, let's set a table off to McMahon or do anything like that. Um, we did it because we loved it, and we also loved the camaraderie. And, you know, let's face it, if you're, if you're, you're going to make like five bucks uh, for a match or for working as a referee or, or working for free, you might as well have a good time doing it. And and that's what we that's that was always the rule. If we were not a, having a, a good time, to, it's not worth it. I mean, we we were working hard at at having fun. That's what we were doing. Yeah. There you and go. chaos. Remember, remember, skinny chaos. Look at how ripped he is. Oh, now. chaos was such a. He was a pipe cleaner at that time. He oh really man, was. always a very good worker. But I mean, yeah. it's, it's really great to see what he's achieved. Yeah, exactly. Oh, he's not done. He's oh no, a, not by very, a long way. Very run. nice guy too. Very yeah. Nice guy. I was loving. I was loving his work on the the MTV series. I wish it could have gone longer because I think he was in a real position to uh, to really you know to step forward. I think really and truly he's worked as that egotistical heel, but he's done that long enough. I think he could be a great babyface. Oh, he'd be yeah. wonderful at it. He'd be a classic babyface. Yeah. Is he still scheduled to be on the show tonight? Yep, he's in the third segment. Well, if we're, if we're not around, you you tell me that we said hi and, and wish him the oh, best. Oh, of course. Yes, please do. In fact, I must get running. I need to go masturbate. But ah, good. I Is wanna, that working out for you? Yeah, working out very well. You know, the more Elena turns me away, the you know, the more my imagination has to go to work. Yeah, exactly. exactly. What what magazines are you using to do that now? Oh, let's see. Uh, L.A. Times. L.A. Times. Uh, House and Gardens. House and Garden. And Red Book. My ah, good. Okay. I just go crazy over Reba McIntyre. What can I say? Yeah. Well, pick up some, pick up some of the Lucha magazines, and, you know, maybe, maybe you can, uh, you know, maybe, well, maybe, some, maybe, some old, you. maybe you got some old pictures of Mil Mascaris there. I do tell you, if they ever brought Serenita back, ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you I heard are. a story about you and, uh, and a couple of the minis, too, but that's a, that's a different night yeah, altogether. Yeah, I put them over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you, or you were under when they. Never mind. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna hang you up, Curtis. God bless you, KZ. God bless you, Dan. Take care. Uh, thank you, Curtis. We'll talk to you later, man. <laughs> bye bye, right, Curtis. Bye bye. Okay. We're well. just horrible when we get together. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> we've been friends for almost 20 years, so you know we. Farron, we're, we're gonna have to wrap up, brother. Yeah, that's okay, uh, man. I mean, I, I, I was delighted to. You know, to uh, to get a chance to talk to you finally and to share some of these memories, uh, and uh, it was you, a lot of fun, Casey. I'll tell you, when Curtis is is feeling up to it, brother, we're gonna have to go two hours with you guys. Oh, that we'd love to do that. We could we can uh, 
you know, we could uh we were both born uh with uh with long playing uh stories and you know, we can talk about uh working with uh, Ray Mysterio back when he was 16 and 15 and stuff like that and yeah, we got there's a lot of we have a lot of old time stuff to talk about. There you go. Uh we'll have to have you guys on in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, once good. you get once once you get that that uh Southern California Olympic website going, um yep. I will make you an official sponsor of the show free of charge. Oh, uh, just love that. Because it's all about knowledge, it's all about yeah, we showing, can't, you know, you know, showing love for history. We're living in a lucky time now where because the that finally kayfabe has been broken that all this information is is finally out there and and we need to make sure we leave it for the for the guys in the future because you know uh, you got to remember that you know the for the guys in the future that you got to remember the guys that that paved the way for you. There it is. But Darren, Mr. Perrin, I yes, have sir. to shoot you off the line. Go ahead. Of, uh, more guests coming on. Yes, you do. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be looking forward to hearing them. So you have you have a good evening, and uh, it was nice to talk to uh, the, the Legion of Kid Zombie fans and uh, the Legion of the Living Dead. And uh, like I said, anytime you want me, just give me a holler. Awesome. Have a nice evening, Dan. And take you too, care. man. Take it easy. Bye. All right. That was the shoot fighter, Dan Farron. And caller from the 770 area code. Whom am I speaking with? This is Chris Zellner. Mr. Zellner, welcome to the show. Um, How's it going? See. It is going rather well. Um, I have another caller here from the 909. Uh, Who am I speaking with, 909 caller? Damn it. Hello, 909? Would like to see if this can be turned up? It's here. It's awesome. Hello, 909? Okay, I guess not. Okay, now, Mr. Zellner, welcome to the show. Um, first off, what did you think of Mystico's uh, his showing in the in the Tokyo Dome on one four? I thought he did a really good job considering his uh, first big match in uh, Japan. He had done a tour of uh, Michinoku Pro, uh, I think three years ago, and, and another gimmick. And uh, with all the hype that uh, he had coming in, I think he uh, handled himself well. And put, and also it helped out to have Averno his eternal rival there with him, you know, it's, it's it's always a good thing to have somebody that knows what you do in a match. Yeah. <clears throat> now, it was it was good, but I think that three dives was a little much. Yeah. Um, I think he was trying to, uh, you know, showcase himself a little too much. But, uh, you know, you, you can't really fault him for that. I mean, that was a big stage, just the biggest crowd he's ever worked in front of, so, you know, he's sort of got to look over that. Now, he's got the big match coming up uh, February the 15th against Mephisto at uh, Sumo Hall. Now, that will be a true test, you know, of how, how he is over there. Yeah. <clears throat> the crowd did get into him, though. You know, yes. They bought into yeah. Yes, because New Japan, you know, they haven't brought any uh, luchadors in in a while, and, you know, he is a very dynamic uh, Luchador, so you know the stat styles in New Japan, you know, is sort of rare. Straight lucha, per se. I mean, they've mm. they've used you know Dr. Wagner, who's more of a hybrid. Um, you know, Negro Casas back in the day, you know, he was more of a hybrid. Uh, Mister goes more of a, a straight flyer as opposed to, you know, using. You know a lot of power moves and stuff, but he's he's small, 
but they put him in there with with Gato and Jado, so you know he, they kind of hid his size. And I yes. think they did a really good job. Well, and and they have experience in that style. They started the, uh, you know, they were in uh, Universal and they worked in UWA. They, mm-hmm. they know, they know how to Are you there, Chris? Yes. Okay. Are you on a cell phone, by chance? Yes. Okay. I was losing you there for a minute. Um, okay. Yeah, they started the the UWA and the UWF, right? With the yeah, they started with a uh, yeah Grand Hamada, and then uh, they did tours of UWA in Mexico. Yeah, that was good. Stuff. And they were working on something with Cooley KZ or something like that. I can't remember the exact names, but. Yeah, they were like ninety two, ninety three in UWA. Yeah, they were in the dying days of that promotion. Oh yeah, they're doing a good job of booking that promotion as well right now. Very well, good job. Well, obviously the the goal is to to uh, to have Tiger Mask do his thing with uh, with Mystico, and I hope it's a quick program because I do not like this Tiger Mask. He is uh, he is quite the lazy performer at times. He he, uh, he has a reputation, so you know we'll see what happens. I would have rather seen Mystico and Loki in a program, but that now that yes, that would have been interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, and then some, and yes. then some. You know, Loki is is he's a great punk heel, you know, along the lines of Dynamite Kid in, in the very early 80s type of, you know, I'm I'm small, but I will kick the shit out of you. And <clears> Loki, believable. Loki in his early days was a, a high flyer himself, you know, and when he was starting out in Jersey All-Pro and CCW, he, he could go with the best of them. So he, he sort of toned that down over the years, but I'm sure if a match with Mystico came, that he would probably uh, revert back to that style. Now the question is, now that Loki doesn't have the strap, will they keep him? Um, who knows? I, I would think I would I would think that he uh he endeared himself over there. He I've seen a few of his matches and I think he did a good job and he has a track record working for Zero One and Noah, so he's been around the block. I mean he's got a name over there. I think there I can't you know can't get uh, a lot better than him right now. Yeah, it's a very solid hand, and he always has been. Um, oh yes. You know, if you can deal with his, you know, his ego and shit. But you know, I think he's been humbled. So. Japan will, will not put up with that. <laughs> yeah. They're not. Uh, they're not the American indie promoters. So they they will not put up with that. Exactly. Exactly. Now, who do you see as okay? We're gonna we're gonna shift gears, you know, back to Lucha. Um, who okay. do you see as the next uh, the next breakout star for CMLO? Who, who do you see moving up? Ooh, um, they have uh, some young talent right now that is ready to break out. Um, La Sombra is only 19 years old, and he is showing signs that he can be the next Mystico, and they're pairing him up with him. Uh, and Volador Jr. is forming their own little mini stable right now uh, that go against the Aruto uh, factions. So he's getting a main event slot uh, tomorrow night. 
you know, he's teaming with Mystico and uh, La Femme, I mean, Lavaldo Jr. against uh, Averno, Afisto, and Afisto. That's going to be a hell of a match. That's going to be a hell of a match tomorrow night. So, uh, he's he's one to watch out for. Um, uh, uh, Valiente is another one who's, uh, he's shown flashes of brilliance at times. Uh, Mascara Dorada, uh, he has potential. He's just got to get a, accustomed to his new gimmick. Uh, they have guys who are who who can um, perform. It's just how they book them, which has been the problem lately in that promotion. Lack of they, their their booking. Is, yeah, their booking is very off kilter at times. So I mean, the the faction lines are not as strong as they should be. You know, they have, you'll have guys teaming with other guys. They shouldn't really be teaming with guys. It's very weird how they book some of their uh, matches. Yeah, it's just it. It's kind of confusing sometimes when I when I see results. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. This guy's with these guys, while his his stablemates are you know in a semi with some other dude. It's like I'm you know I'm really confused, and confusion's not good. No, never good. You know, I mean, imagine the the Mexican fans that are that are going every week to Arena Mexico, and they're seeing these guys teaming with with you know guys that they don't usually team with, and it's not like they're putting two feuds together in one main event match. It's just like guys thrown in. You know, it's like Mystico and two people against Averno and two people. You know, it's it's, it's totally confusing me, and you know they they don't do enough stories to, but I guess that works in Mexico. Uh, it it works for them. Yeah, um, it's it, AAA, you know, is totally different. They do a totally different booking style than the EMLL. But uh, the EMLL, they'll they'll put a guy, you know, he'll turn he'll turn his partners for a, a month and a half before he'll actually turn fully on them. And it's like it makes the technicals look stupid, and you know, it, and it makes the fans, think, you know. Why why should we get behind these guys if they're going to be dumb enough to keep teaming with this guy, knowing that he's going to turn on them? <laughs> Jeez. So when are we going to see Black Mystico? <laughs> um, I have no idea. I have no idea if they ever if they ever do if they'll try that. Mm, I have the feeling when when. Uh... Pero Jr. comes back, they're going to do an Austin Hart double switch. Um, Pero's, Pero's is as about stone cold as you can get. Well, see, the thing with, with that is we don't know who uh, Pero will end up with. Will he end up with AAA or EMLL? Um, there are people that believe that this whole thing with uh, Cybernetico is uh, work, and that he, you know, he will lead the Perils de Mall invasion in AAA, and then there are people that believe that uh, Peril will come back to EMLL with Perils de Mall and feud there. That's going to be a, a key uh, angle to watch out for for this year. Is how is it, you know what organization will they end up aligning with? Mm. Yeah, because those Peril shows, there's some talent. I mean, there is some talent on those shows, you know, and it's it's amazing that a lot of those guys aren't signed. Um, 
Super Crazy is supposed to be going to AAA. Hoovy's yes. supposed to be going back. Yes. Ugh. But and they have a. Uh, they have Aguila and Damien, and uh, Halloween is coming. Is going to be uh, there when he gets uh, healthy again, and I think March. Um, uh, Scorpio Juniors and Vitos have been working there. Doctor Wagner, of course, has been working there since he's banned. Um, La Park has been there, although he had, he got injured uh, in January, uh, like a shoulder injury, so he's out for a few weeks. But. Uh, they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of talent that's hard to work with. It's it's very it's it, it, if you um, like '80s outlaw uh, wrestling would be like you know what's going on right now is of guys who didn't want to work within the parameters of the NWA. They got together and formed their own little outlaw group. That's what Peros Damal is right now. It's very reminiscent of that type of of that type of group, like a Bruiser Brody or. A, Adrian Adonis or guys like that, you know, they would form up a, a group to go against, uh, you know, the, uh, the the rival promoter in town. You know, that's what that's basically what it is right now. And the oh. and and the, and the Paros guys, they're sort. I mean, they're, they, uh, Arturo Rivera just posted a column on uh, Abacionis today about how the, those guys are not get not he thinks they're not getting enough work. Well, when when you make the demands and you don't want to do a clean job and you, you don't want to you know do business, then promoters aren't going to use you. That's right. That's right. Yeah, if you if you can't play by the rules, you're not going to get booked. You know, and it's not like you know the Peros are having you know three four shots a week. It's not going to happen. You know, and and even the 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 independent groups, you know, they work alongside the larger groups. So you know, there's 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 politics there. You know, if if you let that guy work for you, we're not going to send you these guys. You know, and mm-hmm. it's it's really not well. You know, business is business. I can't say it's not fair because these these fuckers they dug their own hole. You know, it's I mean, like the, Wagner chose to get suspended. Yeah, you should hit fans. <laughs> that's that's a, the mistake. Don't th- do not throw chairs in the crowd. <laughs> yeah, pay you're gonna pay the consequences for that one. And exactly. and and the, the 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 most famous one recently of what you're talking about was before Conan, you know, got back with AAA. You know, if he was working an independent show, the EMLO guys were forbidden to work with, on any show that he was on. And if and if they did that, they would be fired. So that is a very serious thing over there, and it's going on right now with uh, Santo. You know, if you work with Santo, then you have heat with management. You know, Paco Alonso and and, uh, Santo are having their problems, and Paco Alonso doesn't take kindly to uh, his guys going against his wishes, which, you know, he he is their boss. There it is. He signs the paycheck, (laughs) hands them the pesos. Now That's it. we're gonna we're gonna switch gears to the NWA. Um, okay. They're making a they're trying to make a big splash, brother. And I'll tell you, it took a lot of stones for them to put the, the world heavyweight title on Blue Demon. Um, what do you feel uh, as Blue Demon uh, being the flag bearer for the NWA? Do do you think it was a good move? Uh, it, it is a risky move as far as uh, in the U.S. because. Um, 
you know, Blue Demon is not going to work that many dates in this country. He works very few dates in Mexico, so much less work dates over here. So they are serious about that. And uh, it's good. There, there are talks that they are having some, you know, some sort of negotiations with uh, Paco Alonso about uh, getting the NWA champions this, uh, in his promotion to work their shows so as sort of a talent trade that Damon or maybe El Dandy would work some EMLO shows. But it would be a total win situation for NWA Mexico for sure because EMLO, you know, they they really don't need Blue Demon. They don't need El Dandy. You know, they're, they're older names. They might draw you know, a few extra fans, but nothing, nothing, you know, real big. So NWA Mexico would be the huge winner in that if they were to get, you know, uh, La Sombra, who's the NWA welterweight champion, or, uh, you know, any, any of the champions, you know, to work their shows, to bring that, you know, the EMLO name. So that that would be a you know a good move for them. Well, you know I've I've seen a lot of Blue Demon and and he's rather lazy, um, doesn't yes. really like to work hard. But there's an asterisk there. Um, I had a friend of mine, Oliver John, work him at the uh, not the last set of tapings, but the tapings before the NWA TVs, and and he worked he worked Blue Demon, and he said it was a great match. Blue Demon brought his working shoes. So I think the Blue Demon's trying to, you know, revitalize his career. You know, I think he's, you know, figuring that this energy drink is not cutting it. You know, I need to uh, get out there and work. Well, being, you know, I think he understands that, you know, holding the NWA World Heavyweight title means you have to work harder. You know, I mean, you are the, the number one man. You know, NWA isn't what it used to be, but it's still, you know, that, that title still has a name. You know, and it's and NWA is it, it has a long history in Mexico. Every champion defended there except for Ric Flair. So you know, I mean, Luke Des, Holly Race, uh, they had Terry Funk. They have that history there. So it's it's important to him, and important to his dad. You know, his, Blue Damon um, worked uh, was a big name in Texas. You know, so he he knows he knows the deal. Well, the thing is, he's not going to be on every show. He's not going to be on every TV show, you know. And they're, they're. I think the way that they they filmed it, because they did matches out of order. I think what they're doing is they're going to have Demon on like every three or four shows. That way, they get to build up challengers, and, you know, and they they put them in with the champion kind of thing. And I think that's the way it should be. That way, you don't have to keep bringing him up for every taping. You know, and then you bring him up for you know a defense here and there. That way, you know, you don't really burn out the crowd with him, because that makes I, perfect I, sense. I see the I see the crowd could get burned out on him because he doesn't have the natural charisma of an L.A. Park or or a Santo even. You know, he doesn't oh. really come off that way. Yeah, and, and back in, in the you know, in the day, you know, the territories would bring in the NWA champion maybe once a month. You know, that way he would come in, he would work TV, defend against the challengers. You know, then you you know go away and then see him again. You know, you don't need you don't need to be there every week. You know, it's good to you know have him there. You know, and then build up uh, fresh challengers for him to come back. You know, that makes perfect sense. 
Yeah, and he's he's really he's picking it up. You know, he he didn't slack at all from any of the matches he had at the tapings, which is which is good. That means you know that he's trying, and you know he's actually taking pride in his work. And you know, and that's that's you know I can't wait for the shit to come on the satellite. Okay, <laughs> I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Um, just because I I'm a firm believer in the NWA. I have friends that work for the company um, currently. Uh, both workers and office, and I, I really think that now is the time for them to jump into the market. It's you know WWE is on a treadmill. TNA is completely outlandish. Um, the the Lucha companies aren't coming up. I mean, if anybody were to try to run stuff in the states, it should be AAA. And I, I think that they they be able to do it, but I don't know why they're not. They they did a couple shots in LA and and San Jose that drew rather well. Uh, good turnout, good shows. They're not coming, so now is the time for the NWA. And I've been saying this for months. And it's something different. It's a good mix. And, you know, it gives something for everybody. And I, I cannot wait. I can't wait. Triple I A. Triple mm. A has talked about touring. You know, the U.S. Uh, ever since Conan uh, got power, and uh, they were telling us that they were uh, going to book dates. Uh, December, January, you know, right now, it hasn't happened. Um, I totally agree. Um, living in the Atlanta area, um, I went to uh, the Gary Juster promoted show, at, uh, the second show he promoted at uh, Gwinnett Arena. And this was is, uh, the, you know... Was that the Santo Parker cage? Uh, it wasn't a cage. It was just a street fight. It, oh, it okay. was a... Uh, Oh, it, yeah. that was the one that was on Samurai TV. Yes. Oh, and that, great match. That show, uh, oh, they, and they didn't do that justice. <laughs> uh, that match was awesome. That's what, I went, I'll, I'll tell you this, I've been to many shows over the years, at the Omni, and you know, just around the area, NWA way back in the day. That's one of the top five live matches I've ever seen in my life. The way they worked that crowd, and, I mean, it, that and that crowd. Hey, those four thousand people at least in that in that building. Now, how many indie shows are going to draw four thousand people? <laughs> I mean, that was and that was with hardly any advertisements. You know, yeah. it was a hell of a uh, promoting job as far as um, getting the word out. Not having that advertise, just getting the word out, uh, and. Those guys busted their ass. I mean, uh, Parker and Santo just just went balls out. Um, if, you know, if you if you, you know, get a crowd like that, you, the guys will work hard and and they'll and they'll want to come back. And it, 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 I couldn't believe that they never brought uh, just never brought it back. They built up for another show and it never happened. I mean. He, they had they had a surefire thing that they kept promoting there. They could, uh, maybe once every other month or once every three months or something like that. They could have easily done six thousand, seven thousand people in that building, easy. Why so there is a market. Uh, no one knows. Uh, uh, I have not, I have never heard a reason why. Never. Well, what? Uh, <clears throat> About a year and a half later, the Revolution promotion out of Detroit, they brought they brought the feud back. 
Uh, first yeah. they did a tag match, and then um, some months later they did a cage match with those two, which was it was a decent match, but it was highly entertaining because it was a couple days before Halloween and and uh, or Day of the Dead or whatnot, and they they put the uh, in the cage they had these these skeletons and they used them as weapons and it was completely wacky shit. Um, I'm really surprised that 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 someone has not brought that that feud, you know, on the road. I think it would work. Uh, Parka still has the name value from from WCW, you know, mm-hmm. and then you know Santo is Santo. And Santo right now he uh, he has a very light work schedule. Like I tonight when I just uh, did my report, I I just found the first booking I've had for him in months. Uh, coming up in a few weeks, uh, he's teaming with uh, Dr. Wagner against uh, Paro and Cibernetico for a, a spot show at uh, San Luis Potosi. So, you know, that's the first book, and I've seen for Santo in a long time. He's he's mostly doing his own thing now. His uh, um, that thing with the outreach with the ocean and trying to save, you know, the fish and stuff like that. So, you know, he has. I mean, he doesn't have that many bookings in Mexico, so he could, you know, you pay him the money that he wants, and he wants money. You can get him here, and he, and he will draw. Same thing with Parker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. You get anywhere within 150 miles of me, I'll be there to see Parker. <laughs> no doubt. I'm a He's a hover performer. He's a hover performer. And I can't remember a night if they showed it. Um, that samurai match. It's been a while since I've seen it. But um, him and uh, Nietzsche, Psychosis, was his uh, second. And they came to the ring with um, water wings and a scuba mask and pretending that they were swimming across the river to get into the country, calling everybody wetbacks. I mean, that was amazing heat. <laughs> they were getting amazing heat from the Mexican fans there. We thought there was going to be a riot that night, the way it was going. They're amazing yeah. performers. Now, my, my my question is, how in the hell could Samurai TV just show a clipped version of that match, knowing how insane it was? I don't understand. <laughs> I guess they didn't think that the Japanese fans, you know, would would care. You know, I, I don't know. It, it shot me to... I, I couldn't understand it because that was a hell of a match. That match went almost 30 minutes. You know, it was a what hell of a brawl. Like 17, I think, if that. Something like that. Yeah. Santo did this tope into the crowd that was just intense. I mean, he was just—he was showing why he was already del tope that night. He's a hell of a performer. So, do you, do you think he still has it? Do you think he can? Santo can do it. You know, do another <clears throat> run. You think Parker can do another run? Um, I think they can. Uh, Santo definitely can. I think maybe this time away, you know, is helping him, you know, stay healthy and you know, it, it, you know, get him ready if he ever makes amends with Paco Alonso to return to eat Arena Mexico and do one more big run to sell out the place. You know, th- that that would be a, a good spot for Mystico to turn or Santo to turn Rudo again. That would be an interesting feud if they ever did that. Have a Santo play the jealous old guy 
or uh, Misaka playing, the, uh, you know, the young punk, you know, who doesn't want to respect the old guy. They, they could. That would be the angle I think that would be they could run with. And Parker, Parker, he uh, uh, he's on okay terms with Paco Alonso, but you know it's just you know. I don't know. There's just something there where he, whenever he works, he does something to piss them off, and he goes away for a while. So I don't know if he could have a sustained run in that promotion. Uh, the ideal run, if it ever happened, was for him to go to AAA again and feud with Parker, the Parker AAA, you know, and have that have their big match. Right. I think that would be huge, huge numbers. Because Parker, Parker Triple A is a hell of a draw. Hell of a draw. All right. Well, Chris, your segment's over. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, let's let's plug your sites and and where you post your blog. Um, let's see. I post on LuchaWorld.com is uh, probably the best site to go to for it. I'm on the front page there. I post on uh, Death Valley Drivers message board. I'm on Lucha World's message board, um, com. I'm all over it. There it is, frequent uh, contributor to The Observer. Um, Chris, we're going to have to have you on again when uh, we can fit you into your busy schedule. Uh, your half <laughs> hour was, uh, was real fast. Um, I know what I'm going to watch when I get off the air, and it's not going <laughs> to be CSI. It's going to be that parking match. <laughs> I don't blame you. I'll watch it again, too. All right, brother. Well, thanks for coming on. We'll, we'll have to have you on again uh, down the road. Uh, maybe we could do a, a little double-team action, you and Alfredo, because I, I'd love to have that kid on the show. Hey, me and Alfredo go way back, so it'd be a lot of fun. There it is. Well, Mr. Zellner, thanks for coming on, brother. You know, it was my pleasure to – I could talk Lucha so I'm blue in the face. <laughs> From one KC to another, no problem. All right, brother. Thanks for coming on, man. All right. All right. That was not quite the doctor of Lucha, but I guess we can maybe call him the nurse of Lucha, uh, Chris Zellner. And now we have on the line my man from down south, the rock superstar Chaos. Welcome to the show, brother. How you doing? How you doing, Kid Zombie? I'm doing good, doing good. Ah, man. We go from incredibly strange wrestling to Lucha Libre to the Santino Bros. Um... First off, I, I have a message from Mr. Kurt Brown and Dan Fair, and they say hello, and you will have to get together. Oh, definitely we do. They go, I go way back to incredibly strange wrestling. I remember Dan Fair as the referee um, way back when, I think 1994, Aftershock. I think that was the first show that, that got me hooked in Pomona, Sabu versus uh, Al Snow. It's good times, ah. good times. Yes, that was with the run-in by Terry Funk in the end. Yeah, definitely. Can you? I don't know where your keys are. Pardon me, having logistic issues here. My wife can't find her keys. <laughs> Anything can happen live on the radio. On the radio. So let's talk there you about go. your uh, your, uh, your school and your your upcoming promotion that you're opening. Yes, the um, the Santino Brothers Wrestling Academy, and uh, we're making uh, actually uh, the debut show. Uh, my debut show is uh, it's going to be um, Evolucha Entertainment Wrestling. Um, we're going to be up in New Hall, California. Um, it's going to be January 17th. 
um, at the American Legion Hall, and uh, it's going to be fun. We're going to uh, actually get uh, um, get our guys, some of our students from the Santino Brothers Wrestling Academy. They're going to be um, wrestling on that show. So um, we have an action-packed night, and it's going to be fun. Cool. Now I have to ask, who is the hardcore homo angel working? Oh, the hardcore homo angel. You actually have to go to see the show. We got him on the card. We got a couple of matches announced. You guys, actually, I'll give you an exclusive here on uh, on uh, Kid Zombie Rubber Guard Radio. We got uh, the hardcore homo angel versus Johnny Mnemonic, hacker extraordinaire. So hmm. that's definitely gonna uh, it's gonna be a fun match. Um, we're gonna uh, angels angels gonna be out. You can see them in, the, in in a little different light. Um, so it's de- definitely gonna be worth coming out. You know, we anticipate uh, selling out small venue, 220 seats. Um, so, yeah, definitely we're looking uh, looking to take care of this. We were, we, we've been working hard in 2008, you know, in the ups and downs of the economy and all. You know, we stuck it out. Uh, we've had a lot of guys stick it out with us, you know. The, uh, 2008 on my ACL tour, I had to have surgery, so I had a lot of guys stick it out with me. And uh, here we are, January 2009, one year later, and, uh, you know, we're getting ready uh, for our debut show, so everyone's really excited. We've got uh, Ronchi Rico Dynamite, who's going to be on the show, trained uh, uh, trained by myself and Dynamite D. And uh, we, have a, we have a couple other guys, uh, Robbie Phoenix, also uh, of the uh, XPW Asylum, um, along with our with our students from the Santino Brothers Wrestling Academy. And then we also have a uh, longtime XPW favorite, Supreme, Angel, and then uh, definitely SoCal favorites like Bo Cooper and uh, Steve Payne, the underrated superstar. So it's going to be an uh, action-packed night, and, you know, it's going to be a, a lot of different wrestling that you're not going to see, you know, um, anywhere really, you know. So uh, we're, we're definitely uh, definitely just trying to look for different talent out there, to be honest with you. It does sound different. You know, it does sound different from a lot of groups that are that are running in in Southern California and Central California. Uh, the last time I saw you in the flesh, brother, you were on crutches. How is the knee? Yeah. The knee, the knee is definitely getting better. I had my surgery back in September. Um, you know, they've been taking care of me over there at Kaiser, and uh, you know, I, I am um, I'm gearing up to get ready to get back in the ring um, this March. So I'm gonna, you know, it's gonna take some time to. Uh, get the rust out, you know, and uh, be a little bit careful on the knee. But I'll be up and running definitely this year. So, you know, if all goes well, I'm hoping for April. Definitely looking for April to uh, to make my comeback. Is this going to be a full-blown comeback, or are you going to work other uh, Yeah, definitely. Definitely a, a full-blown comeback. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think I think what it is is uh, you, you, you get the bug. You know what I mean? You get the bug, mm-hmm. and... You know, your your knee gets blown out. You have to have surgery, and most people would turn away and say, I'm not going to do that again. But I think there's a, a lot of guys in wrestling, you know, have that bug that just keeps them going. And, you know, I got that bug that's just going to uh, keep me moving forward, you know, and really taking forth and taking control and, and leading the uh, Santino Brothers Wrestling Academy. Um, even, you know, even with my uh, with my torn ACL, I, I you know, we had the most confidence in the uh, – and our trainers that we had there, and, you know, they all just follow my lead. So it really gave me the confidence that, uh, you know, I still have something to give back to the wrestling world. So, you know, I, I've had a lot of downtime, 
Um, I've had a lot of time to watch a lot of uh, film, a lot of video, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm anxious, I'm ready. But, you know, I'm looking at, at doing it smart. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to try to jump in there too soon, um, you know, because it, it's been a long time. You know, I've been dealing with this injury for about, I don't know, about a year now. So, you know, it's been a long time. So, But I'm definitely looking to make my comeback and full-blown um, and definitely shooting for the stars, you know. So I'm, I'm definitely looking to, uh, you know, to go to one of the big companies. So I'm just going to, you know, start chipping away. You know, start chipping away and and uh, and just kind of get back there and you know do what I got to do. Just trying to try to get noticed. I think you know I think that's what uh, any wrestler is trying to do out there is just uh, make a name for themselves, try to get noticed, and uh, start making some waves in the wrestling business. To say you know. Now, being being in the Southern California area, um, have you had any contacts with the National Wrestling Alliance and and Dave Marquez and Bob Trobich and all those other guys to a uh, maybe come in and work some of the tapings? Um, you know, I haven't been in contact with anyone from the NWA. Um, early in, uh, I think it was 2007, I worked some uh, shows for the NWA uh, when they were working out of uh, Las Vegas and Arizona. Um, but I uh, haven't, haven't heard pretty much anything from them um, recently. But then again, also, um, I've been really laying low and, uh, you know, and just focusing on the school and uh, the upcoming uh uh, debut show, so you know I haven't been uh, you know poking my head around, you know. So I've just been really focusing on uh, rehabbing the leg, um, working out, doing the squats, uh, making my leg stronger than ever, and then you know look focusing in March to jump back in the ring and get the rust out, and hopefully by April I'll be out there and doing my thing. I think he'd be a good fit for the product. Um, they're they're really well rounded. Uh, they have a lot of different talent, and you know, and they're always looking for people. So, um, you know, they're running tapings, like uh, they did one last month, and they did one in November. Yeah. I think they're doing January too. But yeah, you know, it's something different, and they're they're about ready to start launching again on the satellite. And you know, who knows what'll happen as far as national TV goes? But I think it's something different, and you know. Your look and the way you are in the ring, the way you present yourself, I think it would be you'd be able to jump right in, you know, right into the main event picture. Um, anybody needs to take that damn belt off Blue Demon, but just the thought of a luchador holding the world title kind of bothers me. But that and my boy Adam Pierce isn't holding the belt anymore, so shame you know what, but, um, what what are you gonna do you know the nwa dave marquez and uh big vision kevin kleinrock they really got you know they got something going on that you know and uh they're just trying to you know do their thing and uh put their niche into you know professional wrestling and you know i think they're doing a good job and they're giving a lot of guys exposure they're using a lot of different talent you know up from utah um i know definitely probably up north you know uh i know a lot of guys come from all over to uh work the nwa tapings in hollywood so i think they're doing a good thing and uh and, uh, you know, just looking forward to uh, getting back in there. And, you know, you ne- ne- never say never, you know. You never see, you ne- never know if you'll see chaos in the NWA ring, you know, soon to come. But, uh, you know, as of right now, yeah, no talks. But, uh, yeah, definitely I would love to work for the NWA. Have you spoken to Aaron Aguilera recently? Oh, Aaron Aguilera. Yes, I actually, there's, um, there's oh, you know. Zodiac in all Japan. <laughs> yes, the Zodiac in all Japan, you know. Aaron Aguilera is a good guy, you know. He's doing his thing. 
um, you know, he's keeping his dream alive. And uh, yeah, we we I've actually had him come down to the uh, to the uh, to the dojo, to the Santino Brothers Wrestling Academy, and uh, you know, he he trained some of the students, and you know, opened a lot of guys' eyes, you know. You know, and I'm just trying to get him out there to, you know, get exposed to, you know, some of the talent we have here in Southern California. Um, you know, and Aaron Aguilera gave him a, uh, one fine workout, and, uh, and uh, you know, it, it was fun. You know, so it's, he's a big guy with a lot of talent, a lot of heart, you know, and he loves his business, loves his industry, and, you know, so, he, you know, he's a great guy. Yeah, he's doing very well in all Japan. Um, you know, he's keeping up, and... A guy his size with the talent, God-given talents that he has, uh, he's just an amazing specimen when you look at him. And, you know, if I were in a bar fight, I'd love to have Supreme and Aaron in behind me. Those are two guys okay. I'd like behind me. <laughs> no doubt. Oh, yeah, no doubt. definitely. Definitely. Got the Supreme, you know. We're going to be bringing the Supreme back January 17th, you know. So for all the XPW fans, you know, get there early. Um, you know, it's going to be a fun night. You know, you can go to uh, the SantinoBros.com website for more information on the show. Check it out. So definitely excited, you know. Um, you know, it's a little bittersweet. Um, I always imagine myself, you know, being on my first show. But, you know, it kind of gives me the opportunity to take a step back and, uh, and uh, you know, give the uh, some of the students and some of the other guys that haven't had a chance to shine, um, you know, like uh, Rico Dynamite, um, you know, kind of give them the pointers, Robbie Phoenix, and uh, give them a chance to, uh, you know, to shine in the wrestling show. So, um, you know, that's 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 kind of what we're what we're trying to do over here. So, you know, doing my best to be to be the Mickey in their corner and uh, give them all the pointers that you know that they haven't that they haven't you know recently had just wrestling and in independence. Um, so, you know, that's where we're, we're trying to help them out. You know, trying to get the uh, the younger students started, so it's definitely uh, definitely a journey we got going on. You know, we got the hardcore homo angel helping out uh, as trainer over there, Mongo Santino. So you know, we're doing a lot of work. We got a lot of guys with uh, a lot of big hearts. Now you don't you have some unfinished business in San Diego with one SoCal crazy for New Wave. Pro. Yes, yes, um, New Wave Pro Wrestling SoCal you? crazy. You need to let me know when you're going when you're going back to San Diego so I can come down and see. You and SoCal Crazy do your thing. You know, I've been dying to get back in the ring with SoCal Crazy. You know, um, I, I, you know, I have his phone number. You know, and um, I'll send a text message or two, and uh, I'll, I'll give him a piece of my mind, tell him what I think about him, and uh, you know, we keep you can we tell keep him right our now. He's going. Listening. We keep <laughs> our feet going. Now, yeah, you know. He's he's sitting there and you know he's he is the paper champion you know he's he's holding up the belt for New Wave Pro Wrestling, um, but you know the fact of the matter is that I never lost the belt you know I was out due to injury, you know same thing goes for Battleground Pro Wrestling. I think Stepfather is, is the champ over there, you know he's the paper champ. I never lost the belt, um, you know so I think uh, um, a lot of guys are are are, are happy um, and I think a little scared now that uh, you know the Rock Superstar Chaos is going to get back on his feet, you know, picking up from uh, from where I left off, you know. I think they were happy when I had my knee surgery and I was down and out. And, you know, I'm going to come back stronger than ever and actually a lot smarter. You know, I've been watching my film, watching my tape, and I, I've been itching to get out there. So, you know, SoCal crazy. Uh, you know, I'm calling you out. You know, you could be the first guy. You know, we, we don't have to wait. 
We could do it wherever. We could do it in the street. We could do it in your backyard. We could do it at my house. It doesn't make a difference. Los Angeles to San Diego, anywhere in between. SoCal Crazy and Chaos, the Kid of Chaos, the Rock Superstar, the Triple Threat Superstar. I'm calling you out, chump. <clears throat> There's another reason for you to go to the NWA tapings. Mr. Crazy has uh, he's picked up a different persona, Sidereal, and he's working for the NWA as well. And uh, he's been doing his thing the last two tapings, been tearing it up, and I'd like to see you guys do that shit on satellite. No, I, I'm, I'm sure he's been doing his thing, and he's been working out. He's, he's, been, he's been wrestling contenders, and, you know, he's been doing a good job and keeping up. But, you know, it doesn't matter what mask he puts on. Um, you know, I'll be looking to uh, hit him with the Gonzo Bomb, one, two, three. He'll be staring at the lights, asking himself why and when, Lord, when. When's it going to be my time? When can I beat chaos? You know? So, I, I, I like SoCal Crazy. Don't get me wrong. I like the guy. But, you know, I, I, I think that he's got something that's mine. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't think he's the type of guy that's going to duck and dodge. You know, maybe maybe he's not a coward, but, you know, maybe he's not smart enough to uh, to know what's good for him. There it is. Chaos, preaching the truth, brother. You know? <clears throat> now now that you're you're getting your body back, you know, they have the technology. We can rebuild him. We're, you're getting your body back. Um, I'm, I'm assuming you're, you're still working out. You're still looking good. Um, I feel that the time is now for you to make your make make a splash with any of the three big companies, um, and that's yeah. the NWA in there. Um, now is the time, I think, especially with the NWA. It's more regionalized, so I, I think that you're ready. Well, you know what? Fuck it. You've been ready for years. You were ready in XPW. Um, I think the, the the nation is ready to see you know, chaos on that big stage. Um, have you looked at taking any outside bookings when you come back outside of California? Uh, yeah, you know, definitely the uh, the door is open. Um, looking on uh, on on getting out there, contacting a lot of the bookers that I've worked with before, whether it be in Texas, Utah, or uh, in Oregon, um, and you know, throughout Mexico and and the East Coast for that matter, also. Um, but uh but yeah, you know, definitely um I'm I'm looking to make a splash and I think, you know, I'm coming back, you know, smarter, you know. Definitely I've been uh been uh been studying wrestling on my time off. Um, you know, I I've still been working out, so I think just like any other wrestler out there, you know, I'm looking to uh to gain some attention, you know, and I think that's the way to go is to you know, you, you have to gain some attention in order for the uh for the big companies, you know, to, uh, to to take a look at you, you know. And, you know, whether it be go through the system, you know, that's what they got to do, you know. Then uh, that's just what I got to do. So I think that uh, I think that's what, you know, just like anybody out there, just try to gain some attention, you know, and get some exposure and uh, just do something different than what everyone else is doing out there. And I think that that pretty much holds the key, you know, along with the uh, a lot of uh, a lot of hard work ethic. That's the secret. Those kids out there that are listening, you need to not be a cookie cutter. You don't want to look like John Cena. You don't want to look like, you know, John Morrison. Or You want to be something different. You want to look different. You want to 
That's the secret to getting signed is not to be the run of the mill. Um, there's no mold. No matter what anybody tells you, there is not a mold. <clears throat> and that's that. You know, that's that's. I have a few friends that are in developmental, and they're kind of struggling in Florida. They're because they're pretty much the same as everybody else on in, in the developmental system. They're not changing. They're not doing anything, you know, uh, that's going to catch the eyes of the office. And, you know, it's it's a shame, you know, because I've seen these guys, you know, do their thing, and they do it rather well. But then they get their developmental contract, and they're just sitting down there in Florida doing nothing, you know, maybe making a TV, maybe not, you know, collecting that, that developmental contract. And, you know, it's a shame because they could be out here working hard. Yeah. You know, it's, putting it's, on... It's hard. It's hard out there, you know, guys get signed and that's everyone's dream is to get signed and, and then you get lost in the shuffle and you get released before, you know, anyone even takes a look at you just because you're a name on the list to release, you know what I mean? Exactly. And I've heard it happen to a lot of guys and, you know, so it's a shame. So you have to go in there and, you know, take it as your one chance, your one shot to to, to make a stand out, to, you know, to shine. And it's hard because you look to the left and you look to the right and everyone's is just as good. Everyone's got something, you know, because they wouldn't be there if it wasn't, you know. So it's tough out there. But, yeah, definitely that's 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 my goal is to pull something out and, and uh, you know, try to be different than the run of the mill. And, you know, you have to pull, you have to try. You, you know, you can't be afraid to try different things, you know. So definitely uh, just watch out. Chaos, April 2009. There it is. Plus, you know, when when you're working at a show, you really honestly don't know who's out in that crowd. You really don't. Yeah, it, does, don't it doesn't matter what, what caliber size of the show or whatnot. Um, you know, you never know who will be there. That's right. That's right, exactly. But uh, <clears throat> we're going to wrap up here. Let's uh, let's get a, a hard plug for your for your school and and your promotion, and it would be. SantinoBros.com. Yes, definitely. Um, you can check it out. dot com. dot net. Santino Bros. That's Bros. B R O S, like Super Mario Brothers. Check it out. SantinoBros. dot com for all the latest information on Evolution Entertainment Wrestling. Saturday, January seventeenth, in Newhall, California, at the American Legion Hall. Um, Seven thirty p.m. You know, get there early. We anticipate selling out, so it's going to be fun. It's going to be action-packed night. Um, you know, we've been working hard getting these guys ready, so they're ready to go out there and not mail it in, um, and it, it's, it's going to be fun. You know, you also can go to evolution.com. Our website over there is under construction, but you can go check it out, get a feel for it, um, and uh, definitely uh, check out our school, Santino Brothers Wrestling Academy. You know, definitely get all your information still at the same website, santinobros.com, santinobros.net. doesn't make a difference. Uh, we got, we're working hard over here, and uh, thank you for having us on, Kit Zombie. We appreciate it. We love being on Rubber Guard Radio, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again. Oh, brother, it's always my pleasure to have a true rock superstar on this show. Definitely, definitely. And, uh, yes, uh, I'll be letting you first know when uh, Chaos is going to be making my debut. You know, look forward on uh, Evolution Entertainment Wrestling. So I'll be working with Evolution Entertainment Wrestling where you can see exclusively the Rock Superstar Chaos. Tremendous, brother. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for giving me, you know, a couple minutes of your time, man. It's always a, always a pleasure to talk to you. 
uh, hopefully, you know, when I when I take another road trip down south, I could uh, run into you some way, somehow. Um, preferably not with a chopper or forearm, but <laughs> definitely, definitely look forward for it. And it's SoCal crazy. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. Just watch there out. There you go. New Wave Pro Wrestling, keep your eyes out. Chaos is coming back in April. But uh, thanks for coming on again, brother. It was it was definitely my pleasure. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you having me. All right. Take care now. Okay, that was Rock Superstar Chaos, who will be coming back in April uh, off of a pretty rough knee injury. Um, and his Santino brothers, uh, or Evolucha promotion, will be having their debut show on the 17th. Get all that information at... Uh, SentinoBros.com.net, whichever way you want to get there. Um, before we wrap up, uh, we're going to run down some shows that are coming up uh, the next couple weekends. Um, in San or in Covina, California, in Southern California, on July 9th, uh, the Empire Wrestling Federation will be breaking in the new year, 2009, with Liger Rivera and T.J. Perkins defending their tag belts against Rubber Guard Radio guests. Uh, Nick and Matt Jackson, the Young Bucks, um, and you'll see all of the stars of the UW of the EWF. That would be EmpireWrestlingFederation.com. Uh, SoCal Pro Wrestling is running a show in Oceanside on the 10th. You can get information on that show at SoCalProWrestling.com. We have the Ballard Brothers, Ariel Starr, Lakura, uh, Johnny Yuma, Cool Imagery defending the tag titles against Anchors Away. Uh, Adam Pierce against Johnny Goodtime, uh, Jason Redondo in a lumberjack strap match defending the SoCal heavyweight title against SoCal Crazy, uh, which should be fun. Those guys have been doing their thing all year, um, or all of last year pretty much. Uh, PWG is running the 10th in Reseda with Chris Hero, Loki, fresh off a New Japan showing at the Tokyo Dome. Uh, the Young Bucks, Roderick Strong, Davey Richards, the returning from the Navy, Bobby Quants. Uh, Bobby's a hell of a talent from up here in Northern California. And all the rest of the stars of Pro Wrestling Gorilla, get that ProWrestlingGorilla.com. And January 10th in San Francisco, Fog City Wrestling is running at the DNA Lounge. Uh, you can get information on that at FogCityWrestling.com. The main event, Baby Slim taking on Dylan Drake in a dog collar match, uh, which should be fun. Um, King Debata who the formerly Olaf of the Samoan Tank will be taking on TNA's Hernandez. Uh, we're going to have the big boys in that one. Uh, that's going to be a hard-hitting, strong-style match. That's going to be a sick match. Uh, we have Venice DeMarco against Chicano Flame in a hair versus mask match that they've been building forever and a day. Um, in a Ravens Clockwork Orange House of Fun match, Raven will try to shut up the Reno Scum's own Shane Dynasty. And in a six-man tag match, the Reno Scums, Adam Thornstow, Lester the Legend, and the giant Paul Isidore will be taking on El Chupacabra, Pentagon Black, and Super Parka in a six-man tag match. Um, this should end the Fog City Lucha War against the Reno Scum. And you can get more information at FogCityWrestling.com. And we're going to wrap this one up. With the AWS, uh, Bart always puts on a good show. Called This one's called Students and Pros. It's on Sunday, January 11th in Roland Heights. Uh, 
we have a bunch of different lucha stuff, um, all the usual characters and whatnot. So you guys need to uh, check them out, and that should do it. And I will talk to you guys next week.